Hey everyone, welcome to the Be Morbid and Go Move podcast show. We are thrilled you are here. Since in this podcast series, we connect you with coaches and thought leaders who make a positive difference in the lives of the people and businesses they serve. Our show is brought to you by the Ngomu app, available on the Google Play Store, and unlock your full potential and be more with about with access to about 60 coaches. I should know this by head by now, Joyce, to help you with your personal <laughs> You're doing fine now. <laughs> Career advancement, health and wellness, and relationship goals accessible anytime, anywhere. To so check it out on the Google Play Store, search for Ingomu. My name is Al Wynant, your co-host, and with me today is Josh Joya, my co-host, CEO of the Herman Group of Companies, Ingomu coach, and author of the forthcoming book, Experience Rules, How Positive Experiences Will Drive Profit into the Future. And Joyce, good to see you as always. Good to be here as always. Thank you. <sighs> You're welcome. And if you hear any funny background noises, we're having construction done on the roof and occasionally that may trickle through here. So forgive, forgive us for that. So, but today we're doing something a little bit different. I've, uh, as you know, I've been mentioning Joyce's book in our intro experience rules, how positive experiences will drive profit into the future. And so I'm going to turn the tables around today and I'm going to put Joyce in the hot seat for the conversation. Um, but so, and later in the show, we are going to be speaking with Melissa Rippey and her real life experiences around this topic. So Joyce, you are in the hot seat right now. So uh, tell me a little bit about the inspiration behind your forthcoming book, Experience Rules, How Positive Experiences Will Drive Profit Into the Future. You think it's long enough? <laughs> <laughs> and I always want to read the title because I don't want to forget a word. <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem. It all started back in 1998. I realized that people were craving more and more intense experiences. We had more intense television, reality television, more intense food, more intense sports. And so I wrote a Herman Trend Alert about it called Experience Junkies. Fast forward many years later, and I began to notice that we had consulting companies for the customer experience and consulting companies for the employee experience and even investor relations consulting firms. And that got me to thinking, what if connecting with all of the stakeholders in a, at, a different, at a deeper level would make a difference. And so I did started doing research and I discovered, in fact, it was very true that every time an organization connected with its stakeholder groups, things went better. And so that led me to write the book, which by the way, is my first solo book. Sorry, I muted myself there for a second. <laughs> so you mentioned you mentioned earlier here because um, I read it every week. The Herman Trend Alert that is your weekly, and you still do this your, your weekly newsletter that addresses um, more some than twenty topics. years. Wow, <laughs> that's that's a lot. So, <laughs> um, so coming out of this pandemic, I think we we've all had some less than stellar experiences with businesses who are really trying to get up and running again. So what should businesses really think about now and, and, and how can they enhance the experience of their customers to, especially now, you know, encourage loyalty and does it even matter? Yeah, well, that, that's a lot of questions, Al. So <laughs> I know. We have I'll 10 address minutes. <laughs> them one at a time. Uh, and first of all, I want to say that, yes, most of us have experienced the service issues 
whether it's restaurants or getting some work done on the house or whatever, we, many employers simply can't find the people that they need. Mm -hmm. uh, and or nobody wants to take the job that they want to off the, that they're offering. So those shortages have le led to real service issues. Uh, and we're not accustomed to that at all. So now let me go back and answer your questions. What should businesses think about now? Uh, first and foremost, businesses need to make sure that their employees are going to be there when they need them. And in order to accomplish that, they need to find out what's really going on in the hearts and minds of their people. And there are two ways that you can do that. I mean, obviously, we don't want the our listeners who are employers to be victims of the great resignation, right? So there are two ways of, of handling that. One is to conduct stay interviews. And that is you have someone, not you, sit down with the person and find out what they like, what they don't like. I mean, I, I have a whole white paper of, of the right questions to ask, but the, the important thing to understand is that you want to do, you want to do stay interviews before they leave. So that it, because once they've decided to leave, it's game over. And it's not the exit interview. Yeah, it's exactly. Interview. Right. So, uh, and the other way to find out what's really going on in people's hearts and minds is to conduct em employee surveys. Uh, however, you got to make really sure that people feel like that the it's um, it's confidential, that it's anonymous, that uh, their responses are not going to get back to a supervisor, or so they can really be honest with you. And that's why I always suggest on the stay interviews, find a local consultant who could do that for you, or even I mean happen to have a, a an arm of the Herman group of companies that uh, that does those interviews actually but uh, if you know where you stand with your people you're going to have a much much better chance of holding on to them and your second question was how can employers enhance the experience of their of their customers to encourage loyalty. And that answer is really fairly simple. You need to find out what's important to your customers and make sure you're giving it to them. Uh, the secret to, to success is to add so much value that people would be crazy not to buy from you, not to be working with you, not to be connected and associated with you. And I'm really looking forward to our speaking with Melissa because I think she's just done a fabulous job of adding value to being her customer. And finally, what, one more. Was there one more question? One more piece. <laughs> Why does it matter? <laughs> yeah. It matters because if everybody else is doing it and you're not, then you're going to be at a competitive disadvantage. That's not going to work, is it? It's not. And it reminds me of a, of a podcast we did earlier with Bob Berg and Grant Muller about right. value. It's one of the, the one of the laws of um, success, the value, give more value than you receive in there. So, um, But one of the things I always think about when you hear 
experiences and service service related issues you know it's not just for the service industry it's 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 much bigger than that isn't it oh yeah you're quite correct no matter what a company does it's its customers its clients are vital to its success and so you have to be delivering optimum experiences if you want to uh, optimize that relationship if you want to make sure that that customer is not going to leave you when there's another opportunity elsewhere. You know, and at the same time, it's also, you know, you, you think of your customers, but how do employees, your vendors, how did they fit, how did, how, how did they fit into all of that? Well, I'm glad that you included vendors. Um, First of all, the, your employees are the most important group of stakeholders. And I know Melissa will agree with me. Uh, and they're even more important than customers, actually. However, that said, employees love working for companies that have a customer focus. They want to feel like that their organization is really doing a good job for its customers because that's a reflection on them. Uh, so, it, yes, it's important. Oh, and, and then let's not forget the suppliers and vendors. And I'm really looking forward to discussing that with Melissa as well, because never before in the history of our country has a relationship with suppliers and vendors been as important as it is at this very moment. This week's trend alert was about the supply chain. And imagine if you have a really good relationship with your supplier of whatever it is, who are they going to communicate with when there's going to be shortages? Certainly mm -hmm. not the person who's been ignoring them or the person who said, you're really lucky that I'm doing business with you. No, our suppliers and vendors need to feel appreciated just like all of the other stakeholder groups. And the companies that optimize profit are the ones that understand that. So kind of in follow up to that, you know, we're, we're talking about the different stakeholders, employees, customers, vendors, et cetera. But then there's this other dimension to it. So, you know, not it's not one size fits all. You also have generational cultural differences. So how do you manage that? How do we look at that? Well, the first thing, the, the thing that's most important to understand is a particular question. And this, by the way, comes from Tony Robbins. And you want to ask what's most important to you in and then add the context. So what's most important to you? For instance, you would ask this of, of an employer who would be signing up people for Ingomu. What's most important to you in uh, engaging with a learning organization? And that will help you not only to add value and to, de to determine the, the right value proposition, but it also, and this is really cool, it allows you to transcend cultural differences, generational differences, because you're doing a one-on-one. -on -one. You're finding out what's really important to that individual. 
And that can make all the difference in the world to your organization. And I know we always have a limited time and I wish we could talk forever about these different things. But as, we, as we're wrapping up here, so what are three suggestions that you can share with us that businesses can look at, can implement, you know, um, to, to create this really amazing experiences? Sure. First of all, remember that people support what they help to create. You want to engage your people in continuous, never-ending improvement. Uh, the Japanese call it Kaizen. And when everybody is uh, on the same team and everybody is looking, constantly looking for ways to improve things, and whether you use the, the, the idea of eye power, which came from Boardroom Incorporated in uh, Stanford, Connecticut, or you have some other way of engaging people to find out their best ideas, people support what they help to create. And you want to engage your people in helping you to increase sales, uh, reduce expenses, whatever it is, engaging your people can make a big difference. Number two, understand, as Melissa well does, that all of the stakeholder groups are important, not just customers and employees, but the families of employees and customers and the community and also the suppliers and vendors. Strengthening all of those connections will optimize your success. And number three is that your brand does matter. And the brand that you have with each of the different stakeholder groups needs to be congruent with all of the other brands. Uh, there's a company that's the number one company in the world in claims management called Sedgwick. And their brand is Caring Counts. And it's, it, 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 uh, it is expressed through claimants through clients, through employees, everywhere that they connect with any group of people, it's very important for them that it gets communicated to that stakeholder group, caring counts. We live to demonstrate that, to live that with whoever it is. I so believe in that and understand that. So Joyce, thank you. Um, if you want to work with Joyce um, via the Ngomu app, she has an excellent learning community. I experienced it earlier this afternoon. It's experience roles for sales professionals. Check it out on the Google Play Store. Just look for Ngomu or just the Google Play. It's not Google Play Store anymore. Um, if you've just joined us, you are listening to the Be More Than Ngomu podcast with author and Ngomu coach Joyce Joya and Melissa Rippy, so I am going to bring Melissa in here today. Uh, um, so um, welcome, Melissa. Good to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So I'm going to have to read this off, Melissa, so forgive me. So uh, Melissa Rippy is the owner of the Melissa Rippy Allstate Agency in Brighton, Colorado, just up the street from where we are. Uh, she's been in the insurance industry, industry since 2002. And knowing the local families that make up her community is at the core of the Rippy Agency and giving back to the community is extremely important to Melissa, as you'll learn today. 
The Rippey Agency annually honors a Brighton High School senior with a $1,000 scholarship. Melissa also supports the Boys and Girls Club. She's a volunteer and mentor with Junior Achievement uh, and served on the, non on the nonprofit boards of the 27J Education Foundation, Brighton Legacy Foundation, and Brighton Shares the Harvest. In February of 2018, Melissa also co-founded Rip Beams, and I love the pictures on Facebook, a nonprofit in memory of her dad in which handmade beanies are collected and given to kids with leukemia. In 2018, the Greater Brighton Commerce Chamber of Commerce, sorry about that, named Rip Beams Community Organization of the Year. And she just also got City uh, Citizen of the Year in 2007 and Small Business of the Year this year. So, wow, do you have shelves big enough for all those awards, <laughs> Melissa? <laughs> so, and my favorite pictures I've been seeing lately on Facebook is they just purchased a vintage 1966 canned ham trailer. I did not know that's what that was called, Elise, which is, was converted or is being converted to a little free library that visits low-income neighborhoods and or families to provide books for the whole family. So, Melissa, so great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, so, Melissa, in, in you know, following up, um, so, so following up you, you on Facebook especially, I'm, I'm just so impressed, as I said earlier, with what you're doing out there. So how does what you do benefit your community and also your business? I think as a small business owner, at least I can speak for myself personally, I feel like I almost have an onus and an obligation back to my community. I've lived in the community that I'm in for almost 16 years. Time flies when you're having fun. Um, but the community in which I live is also, it's very similar to a small town. It has a very small town feel. I grew up in a small town in the mountains of Arizona in a small town called Payson. And Brighton for me, which is where I live and where my business is, also has just that similar feel. And it just takes me back to even, you know, my childhood growing up in that small town, seeing business owners that would support sports, you know, or anything along the way in terms of schools and things. And that caught my eye just as a student. And now being on the other side of that and being a business owner, it's my turn. It's my turn to give back. You know, it's interesting that you say that, Melissa, because I just was talking about uh, supporting local sports teams in my learning community a couple of weeks ago, and that being a very good way to support the community. So I, you are living it, my friend. <laughs> How do you use experiences to enhance the success of your business? I think with any type of an experience that you go into, you always want to take something away from that experience, whether it was, you know, positive, negative, something's going to come from that. How can you learn to improve upon that experience going forward would be, you know, my, my inclination on that. And, and just trying to improve yourselves going forward. You know, anytime we have a client leave the agency, there are certainly lots of reasons that people may leave, whether it's you know, a premium factor, they're price driven. You know, there are a lot of reasons why folks pick the businesses that they want to do businesses with. So when it comes to that type of thing, you know, we're trying to make sure that that we understand the reasons why they may be leaving us. Is there something that we could have done to prevent that from having happened would be my first question. And, you know, how can I improve going forward so that I can, my customer retention level still stays? Great, thank you. So a couple of weeks ago, right before that was was that yeah, a couple of weeks ago now, before the Thanksgiving holiday, I tried to find a pie a pie in Brighton but couldn't. 
but I noticed your office had hundreds and hundreds of pies. What, what were you doing? So my agency opened on November 1st, back in 2013. And from the very first year that we started, we really started just kind of celebrating holidays with our clients. And it's amazing how, uh, you know, people receive a pie that's bigger than your face. They really are huge. They're just gigantic. And, you know, it's just a small token of our appreciation to say, you know, you have a decision when it comes to choosing the business that you want to do business with. Thank you for choosing us. And, you know, a lot of people, when they get their insurance bill, it's not a really fluffy, warm and fuzzy experience. So for me to be able to go back to you and say, hey, Al, hey, Joyce, would you like an apple or pumpkin pie this year? You know, it's changing kind of that value experience for you. And hopefully making you realize you're more than just a pie to me, you know, but that's just a token of our thanks. It's a way that we can say thank you. So every year since we've started, we give our clients an opportunity to choose a pumpkin or apple and it gets chaotic for sure. This year was the first year I never dropped one pie. And I, I usually drop several pies in transit, but this year, thankfully, I didn't drop one. So... Practice wow. makes perfect. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Call me about insurance. <laughs> right. So, uh, Melissa, how do you quantify success based on these experiences that you're delivering to the community? Or do you even try to? I never really thought about that, honestly. I think, you know, when I look to do things within our community, and again, I kind of, you know, go back to when we first started, um, you know, we went to some of the highest needs in the community. And, and I said, how, you know, what are, what are some of the things that you need within your organization or your school or your neighborhood? And then working with the local community, we simply partnered with them to make some of those needs take place. So a lot of it you know, I'm sure it's not measurable by any stretch of the imagination for me, but a win for me is the community involvement, everyone together, partnering with other businesses and schools for the greater good. And I think that that's been the biggest, the biggest great thing to see is just the communal experience, you know, within the word community in and of itself, it's common unity. And it's everybody wanting to kind of, you know, be together for one. And, and that's really the drive between, you know, all of my crazy activities that I do, you know, it's because there's so many needs within the community that there are a variety of ways that we can meet them. You know, Elsie, the little free library, uh, we've got angels on our little holiday tree that or from a local school and some of the gifts that they'll receive will be the only ones that these kids receive. We've worked with this school for nine years now, since this is our eighth year, technically a business, but you know, just things like that. I've done uh, food drives for food pantries. We've done, you know, diaper drives, laundry detergent, underwear, socks, whatever people tell me they need. There's a need that simply I'm kind of an orchestrator and we just bring it together. And, and it seems like everybody loves to just be able to help. I mean, and, you know, there's no way financially that I could go out and do the things that I would love to do without the help of so many others. That's why I go to so many others to ask for their help, because it takes a village sometimes. Yeah. Uh, following up on that, I, I got a, I have a quick question. And that is that in my book, I talk about 
the importance of also bonding, connecting, uh, delivering positive experiences to the suppliers and vendors. Uh, I, I hear how you uh, give back to the community. I hear how you bond with customers. I hear how you bond with their families. I haven't heard. Do you include the suppliers in this as well? So that's an interesting question, I guess, for my type of business, because I don't per se have suppliers, although we do have businesses that we use for our clients. Maybe that would be a good yeah. segue there. So for instance, a roofing company, right? So do I keep a good relationship with some of the go-to people that we need in my agency in terms of a crisis? You bet. Because if I don't have a good relationship with that company, for one, I'm not going to recommend them. But I also want some experience to be able to fall back on and say, Joyce, I'm going to have such and such with this roofing company call you. I've been working with this company for seven years. They're the best. If you have any questions or concerns, you let me know. But, you know, I will base any type of a referral based upon certainly that symbiotic relationship, knowing that they can take care of our clients and that they're satisfied. That's the end goal for me. Did that answer your question? It does. Thank you so much. Okay. And, uh, just as, as an interesting aside, uh, it's not like you're not doing a whole lot, but what you might want to think about doing is uh, possibly giving awards to people in that category for, uh, for their great service. Just a thought. Great idea. Absolutely. So Melissa, you, you work in a very specific industry in essence. So how can other businesses translate what, what you are doing in providing you know, stellar experiences to their st stakeholders? I think one of the things to keep in mind is just simply, why do people want to do business with you? You know, when I first opened up my business, I, I shared with both of you before we went on, my home is only three miles or less from my business. So it's not a long drive, but within that short drive, I probably pass a dozen insurance agencies what makes you want to keep driving and go to my agency? From day one, I stepped out there and had to identify, like you've mentioned, a brand for my agency that really set myself aside. While there are other you know, agents in town, what makes those people want to do business with me? Well, I wasn't just somebody that just came out of nowhere. I'd been in the business for almost 11 years. I had you know, sat in courtrooms. Uh, as an adjuster, we litigated cases. I've been on that side of the insurance world. I know what it feels like to be involved in a lawsuit and to be sued. I've worked with people like that. So to be able to take that into the agency world, I mean, that right there set me apart because I don't, honestly, I don't know of any other agent owner in town that has had that experience, you know, in terms of the insurance claim side, in addition to the agency side. Well, now I have both and somehow it's 19 years later, <laughs> but here I am. <laughs> and, and where did the time go? Right. That's right. So, I was just 23. I don't know what happened. <laughs> well, our time is flying by as well. So let me just ask a final question. What are your top three tips for creating great experiences uh, for your stakeholders? 
So that's a good question. So certainly I would say one thing is, again, you've got to give people a reason to want to do business with you. And that looks at the whole experience. That's with my clients. That's with my community. You know, there are other people that will go out and buy leads. They try to sell you leads all the time. I don't buy leads. I'm not a fan of salespeople. I'm in the needs business. I take care of people's needs. So that really differentiates me as well. So really, you know, giving people a reason to do business with you. Why do they want to do business with you? Um, I think another example might just be everybody really is on a case by case basis. There's no two clients that I ever meet. They're identical, you know, when it comes to their needs or their business or their families or anything like that. I think if each of us look at that situation as kind of a case by case basis, it gives us a better idea of, you know, are we really looking at the best needs for this client at this moment. It's going to factor in so many different things. So I think that that would be one of them. And then let's see. <laughs> so one size um, does not fit all. Got it. One size does not fit all for sure. And then I think just, you know, connecting with your community, investing in your community is one of the best ways that I think you can, you know, not only connect, but have that, um, you know, that trust within the community you know, a lot of people have the assumption that Melissa Rippey is the one that adopted 51 kids off the Christmas tree, but that's not the case. And again, it really bodes back to the success and, you know, the glue of our community, which is so many people make this happen. And really, I'm just an orchestrator, you know, but investing in your community, I think, is going to certainly be the best way that you can not only you know, identify what needs really need to be taken care of. But then the next question is, how can I help? Hmm. And having that platform to be able to, you know, solicit help, I think is significant. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Melissa. So how, I know you are working on a couple of projects during the holidays. So how can people support you? If anybody here wants to help you out, what's the, what's the best way to get a hold of you? I know the website of the agency on the screen here, but how can people help you and how can they best reach you? We appreciate that. Yeah. So we, like I mentioned, we're doing an angel tree. We had 51 kids. Then we added five more yesterday. So now we have 56 kids that are looking for an angel to adopt them for the holiday. Uh, and they're all from a local school and our community. We also have an event that's coming up through LCR Little Free Library, where we're going to be going to exactly what you had mentioned, which is a lower income neighborhood. And we really open up our doors to the whole family. You know, we collect donations of books, not only just for kids, but of all ages. We want to make sure that everybody has a chance to have that experience of the power of reading. So we take donations of books Monday through Friday. 8.30 to 5.30, and they could pick up the tags for the kiddos as well. Um, any questions, they can call or text us, 303-219-1470. We're on Facebook. I always do a lot of crazy stuff on my agency page, and you can follow us on there just to kind of get an idea of some of the things that we do. But there's always something going on down at the Rippy Agency. <laughs> Melissa, thank you for being here. Um, I so appreciate your time this afternoon and sharing with us and with our listeners. Um, I will, uh, we'll, we're at the end of our show here pretty much, so we're going to be wrapping up here. But our sincere appreciation for you being here. Thanks for everything you're doing for the community. And if anybody wants to support Melissa, you have the website here, and we'll put it in the notes as well when we post the show. So thanks, Melissa, for being here. Thank Happy you, holidays, Al. and uh, thanks for all the great work you're doing. Thank you, Al. Thank you, Joyce. 
Thank you. <laughs> so at the end of our show, we always, um, you know, typically honor someone who has made a positive difference in the lives of many. And it could be Melissa today, really. But Joyce, I understand that you have kind of a connection to the woman we have chosen today or this week. Yes, Al, thank you. Today just happens to be December 1st, which is National Rosa Parks Day. So the, obviously the person we would like to honor is trailblazer Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks was an American civil rights hero and icon. We recognize her twice a year, actually on February 4th and on December 1st. And the reason that we do so on December 1st is that on December 1st in 1955, after a long Thursday at work, Rosa Parks boarded a bus in Montgomery, Alabama. She took her seat in the colored section and as she rode the bus home, it began to fill with people. Though there was no city ordinance that allowed bus drivers to ask black passengers to give up their seats, this driver demanded that Rosa give up her seat to a white person and when she refused, he had her arrested. The event prompted African-American leaders, including Martin Luther King, to organize the Montgomery bus boycott for December the 5th, the date of Rosa Parks' trial. The boycott succeeded and lasted several months. Now, why is that important to me? When I was growing up in New Orleans, Louisiana, I spent Saturday and Sunday afternoons riding public transportation, streetcars and buses with my sister and brother's nurse, Matt T. When she sat in the rear, which she had to because she was what they called at that time, a colored person, a black person, African-American, we preferred to sit there with her. I remember the stares and the comments of the people wondering why we chose to do that. And I remember feeling strange about sitting in the front when she was in the back. So the bottom line, Al, is that I'm very grateful to Rosa Parks for helping us to eliminate this insult and inequity. If you would like us to know about someone making a positive difference in your community, please send us a note to news at ngomu.com. And by the way, that goes for any comments, any suggestions you have for our podcast. We're very open. We'd love to hear from you. Back to you, Al. Thank you for sharing, Joyce. I appreciate it. So that brings us to the end of our podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. I'd like to thank our guest, Melissa Rippey, and my co-host, as always, George Joya, for being here today. Thank you for listening, and we will see you on December 15th at 4 p.m. Eastern time for our last show of the year. And don't forget to download the Ngomo app from the Google Play Store. And now let's go make a positive difference in the world. And be more. Oh, 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 oh,